Welcome everyone to the final podcast for 2020. Uh, it's Shahid here from The Creative Floor. We've got a wonderful panel, uh, again, some old favourites of ours. We have the founder and Chief Creative Officer of ARC London, Dom Merchant. You right, Dom? Very good, thank you, Shahid. Yeah, great. Well, happy Friday. Happy Friday. Happy Friday to you too. We've also got Creative Director for Weber Shandwick, uh, Khalid Latif. You right, Khalid? Not too bad, thank you. Good to be on again. Yeah, it was nice to nice to hear your your sultry voices again. So it's uh, it's always good. I've got my best one. <laughs> yeah, uh, we've also got the executive creative director of McCann Health New York, and the editor in chief of Advertising Health, and podcast co-host of Medicine Avenue, Tim Jones. You all right, Tim? Hi, Shahid. Hi, everybody. <laughs> you know, I had to take a puff of Simbacort before I uh, sort of went on about your title. Not long nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> too long <laughs> anyway <laughs> right well thank you for joining our review of 2020 just to say we do have a couple of great shout outs for some job roles for creatives and account teams and we have a fantastic opportunity for anyone listening to this to be involved on a charity awards panel so keep listening out for those a little later on we had a podcast earlier on in the year, in April, I think it was, and we called it uh, Staying Creative During a Pandemic. And it was at pretty much at the start of this pandemic. And I think we were, you guys were talking about, you know, adjusting from life, from the office and the agency to home and talking about all the challenges that you guys are facing. But equally, you also shared some really great and amazing tips of what you were doing in terms of trying to motivate your teams, trying to focus on the work in hand and, and how you were going to get through it. So if if anything, it'd be just good to see how that all went. Um, so I think at the beginning of the uh, the lockdown, as was back in April, I think one of the things we, we talked about was was sort of the, the mental well-being of, uh, of our staff and, and what we were doing to ensure that we we maintain good standards there and we have obviously a duty of care to, to our team I think on the large part it's been quite successful what I have noticed recently and I'd be very interested to hear from the others uh, is that as as uh, we approach the end of the year obviously things get crazy busy at this time of year irrespective of, of what's happening in the world it seems particularly in the healthcare industry um, and I have noticed that um, we, we've had to work you know extremely hard with uh, a lot of people, just to just to make sure that they feel uh, motivated and enthusiastic. Still, um, obviously, recent news about uh, vaccines has, has helped with that. But uh, I definitely noticed there was a bit of a head drop towards the end of November, uh, and I'm delighted to say that we're because we're getting close to the end of the year. I think heads are starting to go back up. But uh, it's just an observation more than anything that uh, mental well-being is obviously paramount to all of us, of our staff, of our teams. Um, and I think on the large part, it was really good over summer and helped obviously by the fabulous weather, particularly in this country. Um, but, uh, but definitely towards the end of the year, it just got crazy busy again and, uh, and everybody's heads just did start to slump again. Towards the end of the year, it's always a bit of a, it's a bit of a slog. And I think everyone historically has always felt like they just want it to be over. You know, do you, I mean, how different is this year been to maybe last year's, do you think? I think the uh, the main difference is that particularly at this time of year, there's always lots of socials. Do you know what I mean? I mean, it's like every evening, every lunch, there'd be something to go and do, uh, be parties, uh, there'd be celebrations. There's obviously the award ceremonies that, that often happen around this time of year as well. So there's often a lot of things to, to keep motivation up 
um, and we just haven't had that opportunity this year. Um, and I think it's been it's been desperately hard for for many, you know, who are still sat in their in their flats, particularly in London, you know, uh, where cost of living is extremely high, and you've got a smaller space. Uh, and you have to work within that small space, which is fine for a while, but after sort of seven, eight months, it really does start to grate, I think, uh, on a lot of people. And people go just starting to go a bit stir crazy uh, working from home. Obviously, delighted, particularly in London, that we're coming out of lockdown or have come out of uh, of lockdown uh, in the past week. Yeah, I, I think um, to echo Dom, you know, it's it, it is that it's like we can't release any of the tension or. Um, build up of anxiety that we've been all, all all of us have been experiencing these last few months so that that's um that's a pity you know and especially during christmas when you normally have family over you know you're doing all the the regular christmas things you're going down to the pub and you have that outlet at least to um you know do things outside of work and i think that's starting to show you know we Speaking of December build-up, you know, we, uh, within McCann Health, we've got so many big launches, which are happening right before Christmas, um, which is huge. You know, drug launches, obviously, mm. it's, a, it's a, lot of, um, yeah. a lot of work. So, you know, we have teams who are particularly frustrated and, uh, you know, putting in a real Herculean effort to try and reach those deadlines and timelines. So it, it is difficult, you know, and we... We 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 trying as a as a leadership team at McCann to really keep people motivated and to try and um, you know get through this together because it is it is tough it is tough on everybody for sure um, particularly mental health. What sort of things have you been trying to to do then? Well, you know, just small in, small incentives, um, you know, uh, PTO days that that sort of thing, um, gift cards, you know, whatever we can to try and um, alleviate some of those pressures obviously we we, we staffed up um you know th- there was a point in, and i'm sure everyone can relate to this from a business point of view where there was a, a real uncertainty period during this pandemic where there was question marks around clients are we going to lose clients what's the business going to look like in the next few months you know and i think luckily all of that has passed um well you know in, in our ca- in our case luckily um and there's a there's a bit more clarity into 2021, and we've been able to get back onto our original plan of you know staffing up teams properly and hiring the right people and getting the support for everybody. So that's been good, um, really good. You know, the, the more people we, we we get, obviously the the, the lighter the workload. Um, and yeah, so it's it's just been a gradual thing. And you know, we, we try very. Um, we have a lot of internal. Um, inspiration sessions you know we, we host this um bi-monthly uh, it's called curiosity session uh, which is great we get really top speakers to come in and, and and just share like insights into what they're doing and that's been a real hit you know we, we do that for the whole mccann health uh, network worldwide mm. so that's been great just a bit of burst of energy and enthusiasm and creativity um between all the zoom calls is always good yeah it sounds like having just having a break from yeah. from what's in front of you exactly. so, yeah it seems like a great great idea so it's it feels like there is confidence coming back and 2021 is looking like a it's not looking so bad as maybe it sort of first you know looked maybe you know back in april that's very true and luckily so you know because it has been a trying year and i think thankfully clients and everybody is sort of understood that consistency is key and we've 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 kept um you know i think this year we've this is our best financial year so we you know there is a 
a big um, sigh of relief, I guess, um, but also a, a sense of optimism for the future. You know, this not, not even a pandemic can can keep us back. So, 2021 is definitely going to be different, but uh, luckily, you know, we're still able to keep to all of our um, goals and, and and plans. I mean, to echo what Tim and Dom have said, but I think it's just it was always going to be inevitable that this year was going to be really, really difficult for a lot of people. Um, but, you know, I think pe- people have actually found, l- like, love through Zoom and through Teams for each other. You know, they've sort of found their buddies. And the thing, <laughs> which is nice because that human connection is still really important. And, yeah. and because we're not in the office, we can't we can't see it. You can't actually see when someone's struggling or when someone's finding things difficult. So for, for that to have happened is quite, that's quite positive, actually. Um and it's been really difficult working. People have been working all hours. They haven't been able to celebrate success, you know, the sort of things that we've been saying. And we've not, crucially, actually, we've not been able to bring in freelance help when we need it. I really... I think that's been probably the most challenging part of, of this whole thing. Um, but now, of course, this industry is so resilient, as we know. It's it's so resilient. And like Tim just said, you, you said it's your potentially your best financial year. I mean, that's incredible given that it's 2020. Um, so now we're, we're in, a, in a similar position now when we're able to bring freelance help back in, we'll be able to, we'll be able to start hiring again soon. And that's going to take a lot of pressure off people. But it has been, I mean, pers- from personal experience, it's, it has been a slog. You know, living, living in a small flat in London, I can tell mm. you, with no outdoor space. Mm. <laughs> it's just been, yeah. especially during that beautiful summer, you know, it has been quite difficult. Um, but it, yeah, there is there is that 2021, hopefully, to look forward to with, with all the positives that will come with that. Yeah. I mean, do you think it's worse than you thought it was going to be or, or a little bit better? I'll go first on that. I, I definitely think it's worse. Uh, I, I, you know, I think from I am fortunate to be able to work in, in, in my home. and My home is, is big enough for me not to go stir crazy. So I'm, I'm one of the fortunate and I, for that, I'm extremely grateful. But in terms of uh, the the strain it puts on the agency, the, the strain it puts on morale, the fact that, you know, when you're pitching, you're pitching remotely. When you're working together, you're working together but far away. Uh, it, you know, you're reliant on technology a lot that's really not that great and isn't a suitable replacement for face-to-face at all, I don't think, uh, in many respects. There's obviously silver linings, and I'm sure we'll get onto that. But but I think it, if you go back to the podcast we did in April, I think the buoyancy and optimism that you know we were we were getting through it because it was early days then as well, and and it wasn't so bad uh, as you know six months later it's just been a, an awful slog. Um, and I do you know say that from from a position of of not having it quite so bad as many of the others around me. And if you talk to you know, members of the team, you know, particularly the younger members of the team, you know, it has been extremely difficult for them. You know, I'm a boring old fart and I don't go out much. But, you know, your social life is revolves around going out pretty much every day and that's just completely gone. And if you can't see your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your partner or whatever, then that's extremely difficult as well. And then on top of that, you've, you know, we've had an extremely busy time in the, in the office. You know, I, I echo what, what Tim was saying, you know, Financially, it's been our best year as well. Um, admittedly, it's only year three, but um, nonetheless, it's good. It's been, it's been crazy busy. But what I'm saying is, if you layer all of that pressure on top from a, from an office 
and work perspective and then look at people's actual real lives, their personal lives, their family lives and the strain that the COVID lockdown has put on them. I think it's been enormously difficult. Um, and, you know, I think the, the one silver lining, and, and as I said, we will come on to that, but the one silver lining that I do think has come out of this uh, from all members of the team is just how productive we can be working remotely. As I said, the face-to-face cannot be replaced and there's, there's different levels of productivity, obviously. But just being able to get your head down and work to your own rhythm a lot of the time is, is definitely an upside to, to this situation. There's, I mean, there is, there's so many pros and cons. It's actually, it's hard to find, you know, what, what, what is actually the, the more positive or is it a less positive situation? But I think definitely there's a miss of people. Uh, you know, you miss the interactions, you miss the, especially from a creative department point of view, you know, we, we thrive off of that. You know, we, we, we're quite, um, we're quite loners, you know, we, 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 lonely, <laughs> lonely souls. And we, you know, we, we find our little tribe and we, we all stick together and, you know, there's a sense of a real sense of community within every agency creative department. So I think that, that I missed. Um, but I do think the positive side of, of this working remote is, I guess, the biggest thing, the most exciting thing is forcing the industry into a less narrow-minded point of view when it comes to global talent. Because you know what it's like hiring creative people to be based in an office. It's difficult. And sometimes you exhaust the pool that surrounds your agency. You know, we had the same in Manchester when I worked in Manchester. It's a, it's, it's a big town, but it's it's not London, you know. And, and how do you recruit people to move and uproot their whole life to come and work? in this different place. Um, whereas, whereas now there's a, there's a real sense of borderless creativity, which is, you know, we, I'm, I'm working currently with a team in Japan, a team in Brazil, a team in London and, you know, and Sweden. It, it's great. You know what I mean? And, and you can do it. And it's, um, so that's exciting. I'm, I'm excited to see how big agencies adapt and are re, are forced to relook um, hiring and recruitment. Um, because it's a big thing, you know, I, I know so many great creative talent from, from my hometown in South Africa, who I know would do so well in, in, in this industry, um, if given the chance, but location is an issue. And now that, and now that might not be the case anymore. That's, that's really interesting, isn't it? Can almost see that as a double-edged sword. I'll spitball with you a little bit. What I mean by that, because in the beginning of the conversation we're talking about that the year's been a massive slog and I think part of that's been down to the lack of human contact the lack of human interaction the 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 sort of incidentals that just happen when you're sat with people that you like and work with and whatever but then the flip side is obviously that you can now access teams from anywhere around the world because anyone can access zoom or teams or whatever but there's a little bit of a contradiction there don't you think where you've got okay you can access teams in japan but that doesn't necessarily mean that when you're back in the office that they're necessarily going to be really connected and part of that culture that you're kind of missing at the moment if that makes sense no it's yeah no that makes complete sense it's um it's that's why i'm saying you know i'm, I'm unsure about whether it's a good or bad thing, I'm just, I, I like the, I miss the human interaction for sure. Um, definitely much better, you know, down the pub to brainstorm, uh, you know, a bit of banter in the corridor, some laughs in the office. You know, I love that. But access and um, 
like an openness to an, an industry which is very very boarded um, that, that that's interesting for me and I, I don't know how it would work in the future but I hope I hope there's a bit more leniency with that sort of global approach you know a truly global creative team yeah yeah that's no, it's a fair point it's a fair point um so I think I think we I think as a consensus it feels like it's it's certainly been a much harder 2020 than we ever maybe imagined um but you know I guess security and, and having you know the busiest years you know on record is, is 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 kind of crazy but maybe that's also part of the the problem in terms of the workloads and and the pressure that's been put on you on your teams let's talk about some of the silver linings then um if there are any <laughs> if, there are, if there are if there are any uh to be to be learned from um I mean I'm gonna echo what Tim said there I think I think the fact that you have been forced to look at different pots of resources and look look further afield than necessarily your own agency is definitely a plus side. And the fact that we are working remotely means that you can work uh, you know, a, a lot further afield, both geographically and also starting to look outside of the usual production houses as well. Um, yeah. Just after yeah. the last podcast, uh, and thanks, Shay, by the way, um, you, you gave a shout out to a production house who I then used uh, for a shoot. And I would never have used them in the past. It's just got my usual names. And that's not to say I've ditched them. It's just some of them haven't been able to work and their studios haven't been open. So that's been good. Um, we also have been using talent. And actually, funny enough, we have a, a 3D guy in South Africa who's been working for us for about three months now. Um, and is doing some some fabulous work. And again, that's you know a connection that we probably wouldn't have uh, gotten in contact with uh, if it weren't for this this pandemic, or, or rather the situation we're forced to because of lockdown. So I, I definitely think that it's forced us to open our eyes and look at other avenues uh, for talent. Uh, and I, I echo what, what what Tim said. I, I do totally appreciate your, your comment, though, Shahid, that it, it's still not the same as you know working uh, quite so closely. Uh, in an agency in a studio i think what you say what you both say made really amazing points that the accessibility that the technology that you're using on now on a day-to-day basis has basically allowed you to make it really easy and actually maybe just not yourselves but just your agency's mindset of going well actually if we do want to work with a team in japan well it's really easy now because maybe this time last year when no you know i can't i i didn't do a single teams call last year you know, maybe you guys did a couple or none like me, but the prospect of working with somebody in another country, the other side of the world is like, yeah, we can do it, but don't really want to do it. You kind of just get forced into doing it, you know, a lot of the times, but now you're kind of there going, we can access literally any talent from anywhere. So I think there is certainly merit to it. And and it's certainly, it is definitely a silver lining. It's just, I guess, when we're looking into this time next year, when hopefully we're all back to some form of resemblance of you know normality, whatever that is, it's just I, I, I imagine that most agencies will be on a you know re, they'll have to start rebuilding that culture because it's I don't imagine it's going to be exactly the same as when you were all back in the in in the agency last year or, or earlier this year, if that makes sense. As we're sort of talking about teams and technology, do you, have you found the acceleration of, of maybe more digital thinking and digital platforms are now starting to make a difference to to pharma clients? Because you know, let, let's be frank, pharma has always been slightly behind the curve. Um, 
Can, can I make a point on this? Sorry, yeah. this is very bright, guys, for me. Um, we've done a couple of uh, digital transformation programs uh, over this year that have been, you know, sort of been on the boil for a couple of years and now they've been fast-tracked because of, of what's happened. And, and they're both quite big global pieces and they've been really interesting to see see what's happening. And so we've, we've done lots of research and, and, you know, insight finding. And one of the really strange observations, that's not strange at all, actually, sorry. One of the, the big observations, though, is that this big mad rush to push everything through the digital channels. Because if you think about the, sort of the holy trinity of talking to a healthcare professional, which is, you know, face-to-face through your rep field force. Then you've got your big congress and your symposia. Um, and then you've got, uh, you know, the, um, the, the journal advertising. Broad, broadly speaking, your, 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 your print-based or, or possibly digital advertising as well. <clears throat> and so, you know, two of those three have gone and the, the print advertising is, is now majoritively uh, digital. Um, and so what we've seen is through through a lot of the research and, and data finding that we've been doing with these with these programs is that actually what's happened is that you've now got healthcare professionals just getting tons and tons and tons of promotional messaging, mostly coming through email, um, and most of it's quite dull. Um, and on top of that, they're getting tons and tons and tons of messaging from healthcare systems. Uh, you know, take the UK for example. Uh, there was a lobby from a number of GPs, I think it was about 10,000 GPs, to say could they have their, their NHS inboxes increased in size and capacity because they've just got so much data. Through. <laughs> so it's got this information overload for you know, our customers, you know, the, most of our customers being healthcare professionals in, in primary and secondary care. So this sort of you know, rush to go digital is, is, is terrific, but simply pushing the same messages through a narrower channel is not the way forward, I don't think. Um, just an observation, I thought I'd jump in with that right now because, as I said, it's quite zeitgeist and I'm having quite a lot of discussions with clients at the moment who, who think that we can just replicate what we've been doing in the, in the, let's call it, the normal world, the way we used to do things pre-COVID. Uh, moving all of that into digital just solves the problem and it definitely it doesn't. Yeah, I love a good email. Um <laughs> <laughs> it's like an artery getting clogged all, all the time. <laughs> um, that's a like Dom. That's a great point. You know, I think um, the acceleration of agencies to be to quickly adapt, and we we spoke about it earlier, but adapting and upgrading and updating our digital offering is is a is a huge thing. It's something that I've been personally involved with for the past three three to four months, quite heavily. Um, you know, redefining and restructuring our, our digital team. Um, but I love what you said about it's not just a matter of putting things online or in an email. Like we have to, as creative people in this industry, we have to push our clients to do more breakthrough work. We can't be peddling the same shit. You know, we have to we have to stand out and disrupt because like you said, there's the, the inbox is flooded with a, a million, you know, bland messages. So how are you going to do something? And this is the exciting thing about COVID: is where is creativity going to, you know, slip into these cracks and um, and come up with new new solutions and, and new new ways to to speak to doctors, which I think is really exciting. And and Tim, you you mentioned that you, you guys are really busy doing some sort of big launches at the moment. I mean, are you finding that within those launches, clients are more open now to thinking slightly beyond? the one visual that takes, you know, eight months to create that just sort of sits on the landing page and then sits mm-hmm. on the leaflet and all that sort of stuff? Or is that pretty much just the way it is still? 
I think that's, you know, unfortunately, pharma and conservative marketing is, it's a big ship to move. And, you know, slowly, slowly, we, we, we're doing it. Um, but I think the, at the moment, it, it is still very much that key visual type of thing. But we are pushing in every chance, in every instance, in every meeting, in every Zoom call, we, yeah. we, we're pushing for more um, integrated solution, you know, more integrated work, more um, just thinking differently. And we are pushing our clients and, you know, already we're starting to see the results. But it, it's a, I think we'll probably only see the true results of these, just bearing in mind the, the slow nature of pharma probably by the end of next year, you know, these sorts of campaigns. I'm kind of, I'm just standing here kind of nodding along, you know, to what, to what Tim said, actually, it's a, it's a similar situation. It is about pushing them as hard as we can to where we need them to be creatively because they, they, they do, they do actually come to us proactively sometimes and say, Oh, I've seen this amazing piece of work. Can you do something like it? Or I've seen, you know, this on, I've seen this agency starting to use social media in this way or this company doing this. So they, I think they are becoming more aware because they've kind of been forced more online because they're not traveling at all. I mean, our clients, particularly, they, they were on a plane every other week. You know, now they're kind of at home and they're looking through the internet. They're looking, they're being forced almost to, to look at work. Um, and we're taking the opportunity to just try and send them stuff and inspire them as much as we can um, with the hope that when we do come up with something that's genuinely going to, you know, change their business or, or whatever it is, that they will then almost see the light and, and buy into it. Um, and the Congress, the Congress thing is interesting because uh, virtual congresses, I, th- I don't know how, how many of you have done a virtual congress before, but mm. they are definitely not as exciting as a real congress to these guys. <laughs> yeah. I think most, most doctors, nearly all doctors will say they go to congresses to meet their mates. Um, yeah. They can't do that anymore. So how do we get them engaged with the brand or the company or whatever it is, our messages? Uh, without without that almost carrot to attract them with and it's it's not been easy yeah i've seen a couple of those um virtual congresses they are absolutely dreadful aren't they, aren't they? i mean yeah. it's like yeah. if someone's done it on, on a blue peter budget you know i mean it's just <laughs> it's just unbelievably poor but but i guess that is an opportunity to turn that around and make it exactly more interesting but, but yeah, I mean, at the moment when you see them, they're just, I mean, it's something else, isn't it? And, and uh, I mean, when, when we were both working together, we always looked at um, congresses as a massive creative opportunity. Yeah. And, and now, of course, that has, has gone for now. So where else can we find our creative opportunity? Where else, where, where, where else do we put our energy and our effort in? You'd, you'd think that there'd just be, a, even just as a sort of um, as basics, just sort of making sure that the brand websites are vaguely interesting. Do you know what I mean? Because I think even though, you know, I've been sort of looking at, you know, pharma brands that I've been sort of part of over, over the years and you sort of go on their website every now and again and just to sort of see if it's changed or, or if anything's adapted during coronavirus because, as you, you know, sales reps don't really exist in the same way and no one really cares about emailers and banner ads are, are a banner ad, you know, they're not really there to sort of build brands really. And you just sort of think it's just basic hygiene. A brand's master website or something will kind of be there to kind of keep you on there as long as possible, engage you, inform you or whatever, entertain you, whatever it is that, that 
part of the website's going to be. And that just seems to be, I don't know, this is just my my impression um, of what I've seen so far, but even that just seems like it's been forgotten about. You'd think these brand websites would just be better. I totally agree on that one. I think I think the website becomes the dumping ground for the brand. Um, that, that's my observation uh, in the sense that everything in the kitchen sink gets thrown at the website to make sure that they've covered all bases in the vain hope that a doctor or somebody who's on the drug side post-script um, is going to go and navigate through all of that crap to find the bit that they need. And, and that's, I think, a real shame because, you know, particularly, as you said, in this, this, this new era, if you like, where digital is much more at the forefront of everybody's Minds. If you think about it, it's you know patients are, are have always been searching for health. Health is the number one thing that's searched for on, on the web. But even more so now when you're in lockdown, and even more so when you know the the health of the nation and the individual is at the forefront of everyone's mind. And you you'd go to these sites and you just think this is just turgid. It's boring. It's hard to navigate. The the content isn't particularly you know, built for a user. It's just, you know, shouting almost, but here's tons of information. Try and find something you want. So I totally agree from a hygiene factor, you know, why don't you just have the basic information on your product.com so that you can get the basics, if nothing else, if it's not going to be fun, if it's not going to have really great content, just give me the basics, but do it quickly and easily. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think we found any silver linings in this part of the podcast, except for you've all got a job. Well, um, there's, but... <laughs> there's no fear of missing out. <laughs> there's nothing, nothing going on. <laughs> well, okay. Well, I think um, maybe I can share a silver lining. And we have um, a jobs shout out for Digitas Health. And what they've written here is it's not all doom and gloom out there. For anyone who's recently been made redundant or is looking to make a change in the new year, there are a number of new roles that have opened up at Digitas Health in London. Jobs in both creative and client service. DH is looking for a, a copywriter, an art director, a medical writer, a designer, and an account manager, as well as a director of client engagement. They're part of Publicis Health, and DH is a small but mighty team that works to bring applied innovation to a range of global and regional clients. And you can apply for all of these roles via the Jobs tab on the Digitas Health London LinkedIn page. So there you go. There's, a, there's something positive to look forward to, I suppose. Yeah, I, I, I just realised I sounded awfully negative on that last point. And um, I just want to bring it back a bit more, bit more up. I, I think if it were that easy to fix then it wouldn't really be such a big problem and therefore be satisfying. I think we're just trying to find ways of solving a lot of these problems. And I think there's some really good examples. Uh, you know, look at Congress, for example. You know, I, I totally agree. Most of the virtual events are, are really quite dull. But every now and then, there's there's a real diamond in the rough when you, you, you know, was looking around on some of the, the bigger uh, events. I won't name them, but... Um, you know, there's some, some of the pharma companies done some fabulous symposia where the, the content was was just brought to life. And it was better than the real event because they really thought long and hard about cut through and how to make sure that the symposia was exciting and was engaging and that the content was was effectively brought to life to life in, in this new new world order. And so I think I think there's a huge amount of potential and a huge amount of reward for those that have cracked the nut. But it's still in its infancy. And I think that, that you know, next year we're going to have so many learnings from this year that we can apply and take forward. 
Um, and, you know, the major silver lining is that, you know, the way in which pharma companies look to get their message out there has been forced to change and is a lot wider and more diverse now in terms of channels and message offerings. So, yeah, I'm just trying to claw back some positive points here, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, symposia has always been a difficult thing to to do creatively well. So if you're seeing stuff, then that's kind of cool, I think. You know, that is cool. Um, okay, what else has been going on this year? I mean, they've been a year of mergers, hasn't it, really, from a sort of industry perspective? I mean, do you? how do you guys view that? Good, bad, inevitable, more to come? It's... It's interesting, uh, to say the least. You know, I think there's a lot of nervousness, again, around the, the uncertainty of the industry a, a few months back, particularly. Um, we're probably getting a bit more clarity now. But, yeah, it's um, it's quite sad in a way to see big agencies that we've all grown up sort of loving and admiring. Um, you know, I won't, I won't mention any agency names, but we've all seen the mergers and big agencies losing their heritage, I guess, um, or being sort of amalgamated into these giant corporate, um, you know, holding companies. Not ideal. Um, I think uh, a, a positive to come from this potentially is maybe there'll be a, a rise of new independent agencies, you know, coming out and um, and being a bit more, dare I say, agile and, um, you know, able to make work quick. I mean, I, I saw um, Per Peterson launch that, um, that creative network of, um, many agencies across the world you know great it's like great great idea um and I, that's that's interesting to see like where will we go in the future um as 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 an industry and obviously pros and cons but yeah i think it's, it's yeah it's sad to see some big names go um but i'm i'm, I'm more intrigued about what's next you know what what, what are we going to start seeing yeah I, th- I think you're absolutely right i think even even from you know conversations i've had with people there are a load of startups popping up now and you can kind of go well in fact there's never been a better time to start your agency because you don't necessarily need you know an expensive location you know in in town because you know people are quite used to working remotely now so even if it's just you know for the next six months to 12 months of setting up an agency with a few people there are a lot of people out there on a freelance basis so yeah I think I think you're right I think actually even though the mergers are, are a little bit sad in some cases um you know I think you know a rise of startups can only be a, a fantastic thing for the industry I mean, Dom. I mean, you're you're essentially a startup, aren't you? I mean, are you finding that you're getting a lot more of your colleagues setting up their own agencies? Yeah, I think um, I've got to be careful with my words here because you know you never know when you might be a part of the network again, um, having gotten out of the network not so so long ago. Um, I think what what's been really different this time round because this is our third year since launch. Um, and and with the previous agencies, it's been very much a case of it's been really hard slog to get to a certain size. And and this this time around, it's been a lot quicker to get to a, a sort of critical mass. And and I'd love to say that that was just peculiar to us and how brilliant we are. But speaking to a few other people that I know over the last couple of years who've, who've set up as well, who've left big agencies to set up on their own, it seems to be a theme that it's been it's been easier quotes. Um, to get to a certain size 
um, this time round. And I, I think that's that's great. There's an, obviously an appetite from within pharma to look now outside of the big networks. Uh, why 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 is it easier? Well, I mean, just purely from a, from my uh, ability to get an MSA, right? I mean, the MSA is is the hardest thing you, you have to do as an agency to become, you know, a preferred supplier. Uh, to be have a master service agreement with a big global client means great. I can now start pitching for work. It doesn't guarantee the work, but it just means you're on the list. You can come in, and that that was just so hard last time around. And I think this time around, it's just been that much as I say, quotes, easier. You still have to jump through a lot of hoops, you know, but it's the appetite from within the client base to, to look beyond the big networks for their for their preferred supplier list that's been been interesting. And again, this isn't just my observation. This is talking to other people that have set up in the last couple of years as well, that the, the independent agencies are being considered. And I think that's the most important thing, that you're not guaranteed anything, um, but being able to get on the preferred supplier list has been absolutely uh, fundamental to the growth of our agency and many other independents. Um, just one other observation on, on the independent side of things as well. Um, you know, whenever an agency sets up, it, it quite often has a, an exit strategy in mind. And, and ours has always been that we would look at a trade deal at some point. And I'm not sure that that's necessarily the way things are going. If you look at the M&A activity uh, over the last couple of years, not just this year, or indeed anything that's been happening uh, with agencies and, and, and how they're, they're looking at either exit or growth, and the amount of private equity that's moving into healthcare advertising, healthcare communications is just phenomenal. Um, so I think the days of you know build your independent and sell it to a big group, I think they're going. I think it's more about build it up, get some private equity, uh, sell a part, part of your company and then just keep building it and growing it that way. I think that seems to be more the preferred route forward. That's really interesting. I, I now understand how you're sitting in a mansion right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if this is a stupid question, so forgive me. You know, maybe two years ago, the amount of time it would take you to get one of those master services agreement compared to today, what is that difference in time? Yeah, I, I can give you a first-hand example. And of course, I can't name the, the, the client, but it's a bit, you know, top five pharmaceutical company. And the last time round, when we were part of a, a, another group, we, we were our old agency. Uh, the last time we tried to get an MSA with them, um, and it was a global MSA, you know, we did some work at a local level. We had a local um, contract, you know, we kind of proved ourselves, earned our stripes to, to sit at the global table and we were offered some more work and it's quite piecemeal. And, the, and it was always discussions with procurement that you do this and then you'll be considered. And it took, I think, about two years till we had that global MSA and were a, you know, approved supplier as opposed to a preferred supplier. And then we became preferred supplier. And that, you know, just took a huge amount of time and lots and lots of conversations, lots and lots of work, lots of projects going through. This time round, the same client went to the same person in procurement and said, hello, we're a new agency. You might remember us for, you know, campaigns such as in the past. And they said, okay, absolutely brilliant. There was an opportunity that came up. We, we won the pitch and we had an MSA within about two months. And, and that just opened the door for us to talk to all the other brands within that big company and have further opportunities. And, and I, I was you know, speechless at the speed at which that had moved 
uh, through through the agency and through the big pharma company. Wow, that's incredible! Two years to two months. Yeah, and again, th- th- these are observations. You know, a lot of the independent agencies we do we do talk in London, and I think you know a lot of people would would reflect upon that. Hopefully, that it's the same. And I've spoken to a few, and they have said it. It, it has been. Again, I don't, I don't like to use the word easy. None of this is easy. Uh, it's just been quicker, I think, to get through the door and get onto a list. Yeah, I, I just wanted to, um, I, I just realized I probably uh, had a dig at big networks and I realized that I'm currently employed by a big network. <laughs> okay. So I should probably redeem myself by <laughs> plugging the, the joys and benefits of working with a big network. <laughs> Where do I work again? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, for everyone listening, I tell you what, there's nothing better than working in a big network and working with a client, <laughs> you know, where you have global support and, and all that. So, uh, yeah, apologies for slagging off uh, my employer. <laughs> I don't think you slagged them off. I think you were just no, really talking about the mergers and, and you know, there's a consequence of that. You know, it's it's the rise of these startups, which is it's just a fact, isn't it? It's just what's uh, what's going on. And, and and Dom's just basically given us a real life example of of a real desire, I guess, from from the industry to want maybe smaller, more agile um, uh, companies. So yeah, it's I, I mean, it, yeah, it all sort of seems to make sense. Um, the, the, the challenge is is on the big networks really, and the big agencies to to prove that they're as agile and as as capable yeah. and quick as the smaller agencies. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. with us. That's to a, some degree, yeah. there's, uh, you know, when we look at projects, it's <laughs> it's about not having 20 people on a call because clients, you know, don't don't like being bombarded with 20 voices on a call. You know, it's about making sure the teams are tight and right and, and you've got the right capabilities. And that's that's on us to do and make that work. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Completely. Well, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next couple of years, I guess. What else? Production company. So I don't know if you, I'm sure you guys have been making stuff over, over the year, but um, I mean, certainly some of the production company owners that I've been speaking to recently have had a, just an absolute dreadful, dreadful year. And, you know, quite a few have sort of hit the wall. What's the state of the production market in, in the US, Tim? Is it, is it sort of similar to over here? Has it been devastated by, by this pandemic? I think it, it varies, um, you know, and it's obviously horrible to hear how production companies are suffering. It's probably the saddest, saddest consequence of this whole pandemic, besides obviously the the personal loss of people. I think from a business point of view or an industry point of view, losing some of the talent from the production point of view is, is horrible. So that 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 sucks. Um, in in America, it's been pretty good. I think the definitely the production companies that we work with have um, been able to adapt very quickly. And I guess that's the ones that adapted quicker are the ones that are thriving or surviving. Um, and, you know, we, we, we've continued to have productions throughout this whole period. It's been pretty interesting to see and how, um, how innovative people have got. It's, it's amazing, you know, like being able to, to do a shoot and, you know, um, remotely a production company can turn your mobile phone into a walkie-talkie you know that you can talk to the client like just small things that are just so genius in their in their execution and um really help the industry get along and, and making remote shoots as as good as possible that nothing obviously beats 
flying to South Africa, sitting on a beach and saying, uh, you know, <laughs> action. Um, but it's it's been good and it's been productive. And we've been doing a lot of um, live action shoots. We've been doing a lot of remote shooting with, um, you know, where we actually send patients um, a kit where they film themselves. So almost like, you know, when you're doing a patient testimonial, they get, They'll get a studio light and a, a nice iPad camera, which connects to the photographer who can shoot remotely. It's just, that's cool. It's it's so good, and um, obviously, animation, illustration, um, that type of non non human contact type of work has been thriving. And so, so yeah, overall healthy and on on that side of the water, which is good. Yeah, I, I think on on the on the filming thing. Obviously, yeah, remote filming has been crazy. And animation, obviously, very, very busy. There's so much competition out there now for them. Um, but there's still there's still a perception, I, d- I don't know about everywhere else, but particularly in the UK when there's no lockdown, that um, live action filming in person isn't possible. But there are a lot of, um, there's a lot of production companies who work really, really hard that I know of to, to stay open and to, to remain operational and to have all the measures in place. So it has been, it's, it's been quite, I guess, interesting to, to try and convince clients that we can still to some degree do live shoots um, and, and they don't all have to be remote and they don't all have to be on zoom or on teams, which is a real, I mean, that's a pain in itself, but um, yeah, we, we can do the live shoots in uh in certain markets I and mean, that's that's something worth saying i think yeah yeah totally um i think another thing another sort of big trend that happened in 2020 was um obviously the conversation around uh diversity inclusion and equality and it all it all kind of obviously kicked off with um george floyd earlier in the year i mean how how has you have your agencies approached that conversation or changed if if they have changed you know the way that they do things and and do you think it you know do you think it will make a difference to to your agencies yeah can can i jump in here just because working in an an, an american agency obviously these issues were very very um at the forefront of you know every day was another tragedy happening like that and it was really felt by I think everyone within the agency who had a soul or conscience really felt affected. And, um, you know, there was obviously a lot of uh, distress. So we, you know, we at, at, at McCann, we're lucky enough, we, we have a diversity and inclusion council. Um, and, you know, we, the, the, we meet regularly and there's sort of initiatives all the time, but we really had to um, make sure that everyone was feeling okay, you know, emotionally, um, mentally, if there were any issues uh, yeah, we could resolve it, but um, I think having that support has been crucial, you know, because there was just so much social injustice going on, and, and it's kind of a weird one, you know, dealing with the pandemic is one thing, but having on top of that the social injustices that are happening to, you know, people of your color, people of your race, whatever, must have been absolutely unbearable, and imagine being on a conference call and the client is demanding the, this project is the most important thing in the world, and you have the perspective of, well, is it? <laughs> you know, there's, there's yeah. other things that are way more important. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's been that's been interesting. And we, you know, actually just um, a few days ago on Wednesday, we had our um, annual day for meaning 
um, at McCann Health, and it's a it's a huge day. We take the whole day off. Everybody, it's a it's a obviously normally in person, but the whole agency, yeah. the whole network, um, we talk about issues. You know, we talk about what's going to make my day at, at at work more meaningful. We talk about diversity and inclusion, how we can get better, and it's and it's open, honest and raw. I mean, we had breakout sessions with the president and junior art directors. You know, in in the same group and. People were laying into the leadership, saying, "This needs to change. You know, this is fucked up. Why? Why do we? Why do we do that? Let, let's do this. This is all on the positive side. Like, this is amazing. We need more of this. Let's do that. Mm. And it's just so inspiring and insightful to see that we're listening. And you know, I think we have to, and we have to make workplaces more understanding of people from different, um, just different walks of life. You know, and I'm not just talking about race. Obviously, it's it's mm. everything. It's gender. It's it's you know, social economic state, it's, it's everything. And um, so that's been truly great to see. I don't think we've ever been stronger as an agency and as a, as an industry or as a network, sorry, mm. with, um, with focusing on those, the most important issues, which is, which is that. Yeah, that's great. I mean, you know, I, I hopefully, you know, hopefully these conversations end up in action. I think that's the thing. So I think everyone at the moment is, is you know, right now having those honest conversations. And they're, they're great, actually, the fact that you can get onto a call with your, your president and, you know, be, be very blunt and open is, is just really fantastic. I, I think that everyone now, a lot of companies are beginning to actively look at themselves and you know, openly hold themselves accountable for change. Um, and, you know, put, putting it in their mission, for example, you know, that's beginning to become very, very, you know, th that's beginning to happen, which is a first step. I think it, we're not really going to see, um, we're not really going to know, I, I reckon, for, for a couple of years on how all this is going to play out. Um, but it's similar to Tim because we're, we're part of the same network. So, you know, having these inclusion sessions, these all-employee sessions, um, being they're just being very open now and honest which is nice it's nice to see but yeah i think i think when we talk about this again next year and the year after that that will be the proof yeah yeah cool okay let's talk about some work i think 2020 has been a bit thin on on work but that's kind of understandable in terms of everything we've just uh spoken about but i mean would you like to to maybe talk about anything in 2020 work-wise that has um, inspired you? Silence. <laughs> the long pregnant pause. Well, well Tim, I mean, you're, you're being humble with your silence, I think. You did make something really fantastic. I mean, you want to chat about that and how that all came about and what happened to it? Yeah, we um, we did a, a really um, personal project for, for us as, as the creative team at McCann Health New York. Um, we we worked with a charity called Change the Ref, who is um, the, the, they are the parents of Joaquin Oliver, who unfortunately lost his life two years ago in the Parkland, um, Florida school shootings. And the organisation really drives to try and uh, change gun uh, gun laws to make um, you know not not to advocate for uh, a no gun society because obviously in America that is a huge a heated debate second amendment but it is uh, it's about gun safety you know no one should be allowed to walk the streets with a bloody ar-15 you know that's in, in what world is that um is that a good thing to a good idea so um you know the the project came about um 
And for those who, who don't know, it, it's called um, the unfinished vote. And what it it really stemmed from the the insight that all those children, and this came about in a conversation we had, um, all, all the children that died that day in that school shooting um, would have this year in 2020 would have been the first year that they could have voted in the presidential election. So we were, you know, just just that just saying that was like, oh, you know, what a what a tragedy. Um, and obviously, the presidential election this year was e- extremely important to to get right. You know, to hopefully um, impact some sort of change, especially when it comes to gun safety. So we decided to do this campaign of um, what, what can we do? You know, how how can you re- replace those lost votes in a sense? Um, and uh, we de- we decided to um, bring Joaquin Oliver. Uh, back to digital life with with the use of AI and deepfake and um, quite an innovative um, process, which, which to my knowledge hasn't been done before, but um, to bring him back to give a message to, to ask people to, to replace his lost vote because he, he can't, you know, and, and if he was around, he would have voted for the very thing um, which unfortunately killed him. You know, he would have voted against that. So it, it was fantastic. And, you know, there's 40,000 40, people die every year to gun violence in America. And as we all know by watching the election this year, every single vote counts and and it and it's marginal. And if you're not registered to vote, it's a fucking problem, you know, and we we had to we, we wanted to do something and and it's just been so great to see the campaign um, being so effective and just making so much impact. It's just honestly from a personal point of view, it's been it's been amazing. I don't think I will ever experience something like that again. It's amazing. I mean, I saw it over uh, on the news over here in the UK. So it's it certainly, you know, it sort of went everywhere. Beautiful piece of work. Very powerful. I mean, did you did you actually ever get to speak to his parents? Yeah. Yes. So so they were. I mean, they were basically creative directors on the project. Um, it's a horrible thing to. I mean, we've all presented crazy ideas in our lives, but to call the, the parents of a yeah. someone who's lost their child and, and ask them, you know, can we bring him back yeah. for a day? And everyone knows it's not real, but it is, it's painful, you know, for them to go through. And they were fantastic. They were, uh, I mean, this campaign would never have worked if Joaquin didn't look like Joaquin, if he didn't have the soul of Joaquin, if he didn't move like him, talk like him, make little gestures with his hands like him. So it had to be, work you know we had to work with them to get it all right and um they were fantastic from from beginning to end completely entrenched in the process um and making making sure uh, and you know to be honest there were times when the production was going shit you know and we had a horrible you know the renderings weren't working nothing was going right and we were you know on the verge of giving up and and they were the the ones keeping us going so amazing amazing clients amazing human beings mm, um, wow when I first saw it, I, <laughs> the first thing I thought was, "How the hell did you sell that in?" And I think I think that's what a lot of people probably were thinking. You know, how did they sell that in? How did they actually get that made? Because it is one of those ideas you generally you genuinely look at and go, "That is one crazy idea that they made real." You know, so honestly, well done. It's awesome. Uh, thanks. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And, and you know, just just to just to caveat, because I think it's important, like. We had to be very careful in America. There are people who um, 
you know, there are people who have different opinions and, and that's the beauty of a democracy, you know. So we had to be very careful and sure that whoever we roped into the project from an agency point of view was aligned to this sort of messaging, you know. And um, because you don't want to make mm. anyone feel uncomfortable, of course, that's that's part of feeling inclusive. Yeah. And, yeah. and um, it was, we were lucky that we, we found a team that were just so dedicated and really went over and above. And, and we were like a big family at the end, you know, we – we cried together. We laughed together. You know, we had, it was just, honestly, like, I, I can't stress enough how personal it, it became. Like we, we could feel Joaquin's presence through the, through the conference calls. We could feel the energy from the parents. And it was just so great when you're having a, a, a dull day or you're having an unproductive day, just to get that injection of create, like, this is what's possible with creativity. You know, there's nothing better. It's a, it's like, it's better than a vaccine. You know, it's just, it's just that shot of like energy. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. I mean, when, when it was all finished, you know, when you were ready, it was all graded and whatever, were you, were you on the call when you yeah. shared it with the parents yeah. for the, yeah. yeah. What was their reaction? Yeah. You know, I, I spoke about this recently and it was the, probably the, the most powerful two minutes on a, conference call i've ever experienced it was just to see their reaction because can you imagine the roller coaster of feelings that they were going through that he has a he has a recreation of the person that you know and love doing something that you you know you it's it's like a new bit of memory in a sense and how do you process that because it's not real but it's real and it's but it's not and uh, i remember manuel the, the, the father you know who's been amazing throughout he he kind of took his glasses off and he you know pinched the, the middle of his of his nose to kind of stop the, the tear coming in he was at, he, he he said he said this is so fucked up you know and, and we were like whoa you know this, i've gone wrong like you know what what's going on and, and he said this is so fucked up that we had to do this we had to go through this pain to get this message out you know we had to relive our son to to help hopefully make a change so that no one else has to go through this shit again you know and that was so powerful and i think and then patricia obviously you know she was just smiling she had this, the, the, the mom she had to smile throughout the whole um thing and she was just she said that was him you know she's like that was that's, that's my joaquin so yeah amazing honestly it's um you know really cool to do um you know we personally never done use that bit of technology but to do it with such an emotional side was was just great and and the results were amazing sorry i, I just have to say because you know sometimes we always um you know in, in, in advertising we you know wink wink nudge nudge look yeah the results and it's not necessarily genuine all the time but in this case it's been so amazing to see like the reach the you know the amount of people submitting photos of their or stories of their lost loved ones to the microsite to become you know for people to pledge to vote for them the the shares the you know all of that stuff which has made a difference and hopefully you know i mean when when biden won um you know they were extremely relieved the parents i think they got their they got their wish and we actually got a, a personal message from joe biden uh, he sent us a video uh, honoring Joaquin and you know the amazing campaign and so great great I've never seen such um, amazing results yeah amazing I mean that's a silver lining you missed that one out but um, <laughs> that old chest Jesus got it out of you in the end um, <laughs> if you hear someone say that's so fucked up on a conference call it means something else 
<laughs> no, but I think it, I mean beyond it just being a great idea and and a great bit of creative. I think the best thing that I think you've given out of that entire experience, you've given you know a mum and a dad, um, you've given their son back for a moment in time that they wouldn't have got. Um, and I, you know, as, as speaking as a dad, I, I, th- I can't even just imagine how how special that would that would be. You know, massive respect and congratulations for for doing that. And undoubtedly, that sort of you know, uh, as you say, took you through some some bad days at the office and just made you remember, you know, the power of of what we do. You know, um, when we do it well, exactly. And it's and it's inspired the. Our, our other teams you know within the agency to say look this is possible like let's let's use creativity let's use our thinking no matter what it is you can make a difference you can you can do cool stuff you know it doesn't have to be bland and boring all the time and it's you know i think really there's a the bar has been elevated and you know per, personally as well um it's it's the new standard and we we're trying to push for work like that again because once you have that feeling it's you know difficult to go back to you know, static print ad again i guess <laughs> yeah well and you don't have to answer this i mean you've just mentioned the static print ad was that cheaper than making the key visual for one of your global campaigns yes, it was <laughs> i knew i knew the answer was a rhetorical question yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 well that well that that's a, that's a you know that that talks for itself doesn't it really I mean, you can you can create something so meaningful and so amazing, something that gets on news channels, you know, all around the world, and you know, versus something that will cost four or five times the amount, probably take you know five times as as lo- you know longer to make as well, and you know, hardly anyone even notices it in the end. But um, wow, amazing! Right, you just touched on it. It's a massive advert for our industry as well. Yeah, huge. Uh, that's come out of McCann Health. Mm. You know, yeah, not the main agency, and, and if anyone has any doubts about the power of what we can do, it's it's showing them work like that. Yeah, completely, completely. Cool. I mean, does anyone else want to talk about work, or we can we can move on? Kind of hard to follow that. <laughs> <laughs> we can talk about any bridge campaigns or jigsaw pieces that you've done if you want. I don't mind. <laughs> but yeah, it's hard one to follow. um okay well look i think i think if anything that was a that is a big silver lining and you know i think something not just mccann health should be proud of as Khaled touched on it's it's something for our entire industry to to be to be proud of and um well done tim and everyone at mccann well done that was just uh wicked Mm. well i think this is a really good segue then into our next shout out and this is an amazing new initiative from animation studio finger industries in sheffield in the uk they've created a new diversity program called folio with an f and it's designed to give future creatives a jump start into the advertising industry they'll be partnering with a charity and opening up the brief to anyone so absolutely perfect for those who want an opportunity to create some great work and start building an award-winning portfolio finger industry will then produce the best idea pro bono and give all of those participating an insight into the process from briefing to creating to executing and what they would love are for any creative directors listening to this podcast to get involved with folio and be on their judging panel 
And what they've written here is that you will be helping the industry on its long road to diversity. There will be tons of PR and exposure for anyone who gets involved with this program. So to find out more information, please go to we.r.folio with an F on Facebook or email Carrie, C-A-R-R-I-E at fingerindustries.com for more information. So there you go. Please do get involved. Okay. So as we're sort of drawing to a close of 2020, it's been it's been a tough one. Um, what do you think is going to happen for 2021? Let's Let's make some predictions if we're brave enough to do that. Asteroid strike. <laughs> Ebola's coming back. <laughs> Ebola. Yeah, Ebola. Yeah, COVID-20. <laughs> 21, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. There you go. No, that's not... <laughs> I don't know. I think hopefully a more accessible industry on all, on all levels. You know, I think broadening the horizons of opening up the borders of, of access to people who wouldn't necessarily have had that opportunity to join agencies in, in, in the past just based on location. So that, for me, I hope changes, um, and that's a prediction. More digital work, definitely 100%, that's going to happen. Hopefully more good digital work or more, um, you know, to Dom's point earlier, like not just saying the same things in, in a digital form, but doing it differently and doing it stand out and, and finding new ways. Like what's the newest way to speak to doctors or, or, or humans, you know? Um, that's good. And, and hope, hopefully one day um, we'll get back to just being, uh, you know, back to normal. I, I've got to say, I'm so tired of the mask. I fuck it. I, I, that's the one thing. <laughs> I'm sorry yeah. to say it, but oh, it's just, I forget it all the time. I'm, you know, I can barely sort myself out and I've got to carry an extra mask. It, it is hard. Um, it's a, it's a huge inconvenience. It's obviously extremely important to protect everybody, but I'm hoping that once the vaccine is in and once there's treatments and everything, I'm looking forward to that day when we can step into uh, a, the streets or a, a glorious pub without a mask. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I tell you, it's much harder when you're wearing glasses. Mm. I wear glasses. Yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely harder because you you just can't see because you're just constantly steaming up. Anyway, that's a prediction. Um, <laughs> Not necessarily a prediction, um, but something that's really good, a, a great silver lining from this year is the perception of the industry as a whole. Um, I think, you know, science has saved us or is in the process of saving us. Yeah. The pharmaceutical yeah. industry has turned it around in incredible time. It's not just one vaccine. We have a number of vaccines that have yeah. been fast-tracked uh, through uh, the clinical trial process, but also through the regulatory process. And, you know, in particular, MHRA, I don't think I've ever seen them work that quick, you know, to, to get Pfizer vaccine approved. So I think just that that's a wonderful thing to go into 2021. If you work in the healthcare industry, which let's be honest, farmers had a reputation pretty much second only to the tobacco industry for quite a long time. You know, it now has a, a, a very different perception in the public mind, I think, because of what's happened. Um, and, you know, it is genuinely saving lives. Uh, and I think that people acknowledge that farmer isn't big bad farmer quite so much anymore. So that's got to be a good thing, right? Yeah, I think that's definitely a 
great thing. I, interesting, I was given a, a creative presentation yesterday to a bunch of grads, just sort of in, introducing them into the world of pharma, showing them some work. And towards the end, you know, I, they had like a load of questions. And one of them, standard one was, well, you know, how do you, how do you sort of balance the line between, you know, how much money they make versus the work that you're trying to do? You know, at the end, it's not really about, you know, the drug it's about the profit and it was like well you know what's going on right now don't you dude you know that literally pharma is literally saving the world right now i mean you, you can wait all you want for coca-cola to come along but i wouldn't <laughs> hold your breath um so yeah i think you're absolutely right i think you you know pharma pharma has, has had you know they've been in the sort of uh, hell with estate agents and tobacco <laughs> and all that sort of stuff but you know it, it is amazing and, and to your point tim more talent are now looking at pharma as as a really brilliant place to be and they are starting to be inspired by the sort of work that you guys are doing and um yeah, I think 2021 will be maybe a, a, a bigger catalyst for our industry, for the better, more startups, um, you know, more energy, more talent, um, and and just a better rep in terms of the value that these products actually give. Can I, can I ask you a question, Shahid? Can I flip the role? <laughs> well, he's, he's, he's turning Medicine Avenue host on oh, yeah, now. Can't help himself. All right, fine. <laughs> sure. Where were you on the nights up? No, I'm joking. Um, what, what, what do you think is the prediction for advertising award shows moving forward yeah. into 2021? Obviously, you, you know, you have some personal interest in that, and obviously, as an industry, it's a. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I, I honestly don't know, but I mean, I guess at a stab, I think agencies will be more selective in terms of which award shows they enter because there's just, you know, there's one every day at the moment, there's one every week, you know. Um, so I think there'll be, I think in the next couple of years, there'll be fewer just because most, most of them just won't be able to survive um, without reaching a certain amount of entries or sponsorship. So I think there'll be I think there'll be fewer entered. Um, I also think that if award shows continue to just take money and um, not really contribute much back into into the industries that they serve, I I I hope that will turn. I I really hope that award shows will start taking the funds that they make and and start doing something that contributes back into into the industry that supports them. That that's a that's a hopeful prediction, um, and I don't think I don't think can will happen as a as a sort of physical award show next year. I don't think any award show will be a, a physical. There will be a physical ceremony. That's a prediction that I'll make. And yeah, I don't know. Beyond that, I I, I don't know. And I think maybe maybe there'll be slightly fewer entries than there were historically, just because I think people will be more selective with what they put forward because they're going to be reducing the amount of awards that they'll be going into. Um, I don't know. Does that make sense? Does any of that feel right or wrong? Yeah, no, that that's that feels spot on. Um, so interesting. So you're saying no in-person events? Um... I don't think so, personally. Mm. I can't – I mean mm. – Unless it's towards the back end of the year, just taking the UK's example, right? I mean, they're starting to roll out the vaccine from next week and, you know, looking 
between now and Easter, you know, the most vulnerable of society will be vaccinated. But but then that's kind of fine. But that doesn't mean that I'm all of a sudden going to feel comfortable traveling to Italy or mm-hmm. traveling to France or traveling to, you know, so- somewhere abroad, because I don't necessarily know that, you know, that country is going to be vaccinated, you know, in the same way or, or whatever. So I think that there, there's going to be a, a, at least a year where the vaccines are going to be, you know, taken. And, and I don't think people will feel, I mean, maybe they will, but I certainly wouldn't feel comfortable traveling abroad for a week to be in a space with, you know, people that I don't really see that often. Um, so I, pred- I, I predict that can won't happen on a physical basis or any award show will happen on a physical basis, but I might be wrong. Mm. Well, I hope it's not a, a, you know, we spoke about it earlier about the symposiums, these virtual symposiums of eight hours of boring. Well, they're going to have to be, aren't they? I mean, that's the thing. I mean, in the end, these doctors, and you know, are not going to be visiting some sort of crap CAD designed booth of some pull-up banners because you've done it. I mean, you know, they got better things to do, as we all do. So, um, yeah. Anyway, anything else you want to predict? <laughs> Um, I, I think that this year has obviously thrown up a lot of societal and health issues. And I think next year they're really going to come to the front. Um, and as a result of that, I think as an industry, we're best placed to help that. So I'm, I'm hoping that we're going to see even more amazing work that's even more relevant um, and, and actually makes a change and helps people. I'm hoping. You know, and of course, farmers talking a lot more about diversity and sustainability. You know, that's becoming more top of the agenda. So, you know, that's that's just. I think hope, hopefully that's just going to grow next year. <laughs> um, just one final prediction, I guess. It's we we, we spoke about the um, farmer being attractive for new talent, which is great, and people from not necessarily farmer backgrounds. So that that will happen more and more. Um, but one other prediction that I, I think is agencies will have to adapt quickly to help onboard those types of talent. You know, how do we get people um, accustomed to HGP writing, you know, the medical world a lot quicker from a greater point of view? So I I predict that'll be almost like an induction course, um, you know, that you will have to go through before you can make that big switch because you can't throw people in the deep end. You know, we're doing something similar at McCann Health called Health Farm, which is like a 12-week course um, where we onboard people into the world of healthcare advertising and train and upskill people because it is a it's a big it's a big switch you know regardless of what people what you can say like creativity is creativity that's fine but there is you do need to have a fundamental uh, understanding of the industry if you're going to thrive you know so I think that I hope agencies will will do that and and make it less. Um, daunting for for talent to make the jump that's great well if you if you do ever want to share it beyond the the agency wars let us know we'll help you certainly promote that if you have enjoyed listening to this please do rate and subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcasts and if we can help promote any of your job opportunities or any of your production services do get in touch cool okay well i think that's a really great place to to conclude then i think we started off the podcast a little bit down but i certainly feel a lot better um and a little bit more up at the end of this and hopefully you do too and hopefully everyone listening to this also does too so thank you so much tim dom and khaled you know i wish you a a very happy christmas and a, a brilliant new year 
and um, we'll speak again in 2021 on more stuff. So thanks so much. Thanks, Shahid. Thanks for doing this. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.